WTF1 presents Hot Takes Wednesday. Welcome back to Hot Takes Wednesday. I'm your friendly neighborhood host, Dre Harrison, and welcome to another edition of Hot Takes Wednesday, the show with your hot takes and our even hotter opinions. Joining me in the box this time around is Charlie. Charlie, how you doing? I'm good. I'm back. It's been a while. I've missed you. Like, like, like you are my favorite guest to have on this show. We play off each other really well, and you've Thank always you. got something interesting to come out with regarding the, the fine audience to send our takes in. So I've, I've been looking forward to this for a little while, and uh, having seen what's in my inbox in front of me, this is going to be a very interesting time indeed, wouldn't you reckon? Yeah, they there was loads of takes to choose from. There was loads today. It was like a big batch. Yeah, I think, yeah. I, think, I think Spain brought out the heat in some people. <laughs> Getting spicier. <laughs> yes, yes, that's that's good. Some Carolina Reaper level takes in here this time around. So for those who don't know, because every podcast is someone's first, on Hot Takes Wednesday, you, the fine WTF1 audience, send in your takes to us via the wonderful medium that is Twitter. And I say wonderful sarcastically, given it is Twitter. But hey, we make the most of it around here. You send in your takes, then we sit back and evaluate them, and then we score them on a scale of one to five. One being that we strongly disagree with them, and five being that we strongly agree with them. If, hey, if by any chance, one or the pair of us, a pair of us, I should say, so if by any chance the pair of us agree on a one or a five, it goes into our special vault. Uh, the hottest and coldest takes of 2023, which we'll get into in a season finale at the end of the show in December. So with that in mind, <laughs> Charlie, are you ready for another edition of Hot Takes Wednesday? I'm ready. Let's do it. Daniel Box sends in the first take on Twitter. Daniel Box, who says, Charles Leclerc, to replace Lance Stroll at Aston Martin. Ah, it's a simple take, but there's so many layers to this. Daniel Boxer <laughs> says, Charles Leclerc to replace Lance Stroll at Aston Martin. Charlie, what do you make of that? I mean, let's start with the elephant in the room. I don't think there's any real scenario where Lawrence Stroll gets rid of his son to bring in another driver, personally. I just don't see it happening. Lance would need to be offered a drive with a different team for him to leave Aston Martin. Obviously, I'm sure his dad would be like, grow your wings and fly, my dear. But <laughs> it's, <laughs> but I, I don't know. I just, I, I, it, I just don't see it happening. I don't know why. And it's not because, it's not because of the daddy bought me a seat thing. I just, I mean, why, why would his son <laughs> like just fire? Why would a, well, why would a dad fire his son? Like, it's just not even, I don't know. It's just not plausible, I don't think. And in terms of Charles to Aston Martin, God, I, I, I lose track on Charles. He has been rumoured to go to every single team, I think, on right, this grid. Right, definitely. Um, I mean, not that long ago, we were all discussing the rumours of a Charles and Lewis swap. Um, and Charles has made it pretty clear in interviews that he wants to stay with Ferrari and he wants to win with Ferrari and that he's loyal to Ferrari. And I think the only thing that we can really you know, go on is to believe him for now. Um, whether I think he should leave Ferrari is an entirely different question. But to be honest, even that I'm not too sure about. I think Charles at Ferrari does just make sense. And I just hope that they can turn it around for him. But otherwise, I mean, he's got no choice. He's there to win. So he's going to have to look for another team. I don't buy into a lot of this, unfortunately. Um, personally, I feel that 
like Lawrence is probably not going to get rid of Lance Strong. His <laughs> board at Aston Martin might, <laughs> because Aston Martin is no longer this midfield scrapper that's trying to climb the ladder. They are now a top end level team. They are in the mix in the fight for second with Mercedes and Ferrari. Like this is a few step forward for Aston Martin this year. This is clearly where they want to be. Um, if not, even more so. The Honda engine tie-up for 2026 is a big move. It is a move that says we want to challenge for the championship because bringing them in, I mean, we all know that's what the Red Bull power unit really is. It's 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 a Honda power unit in all but name. Um, so Aston Martin are making power plays. They've got Fernando Alonso up the front, who has had an excellent season so far. But we all know that he could retire at any moment. He's 42 years of age now, effectively. And we don't know how much longer he's going to be at the highest level in F1, if at all, if he just suddenly decides to retire. I don't think Fernando will, for what it's worth. I think Fernando, by all accounts and by all the interviews I've read, says he's more than keen to go into his mid-40s. And if he's able to pull that off, then more power to him. But... I agree with you, Charlie. I don't think that Lawrence is going to cut his son unless Aston Martin tells him to. I'm not sure Lance is at that point where Aston Martin would step in and say, look, we need a, we need a better number two driver here. We need a better second driver here because it's going to mean that much more now the team's actually fighting for something rather than just minor points. They're now fighting for podiums. Um, it's a it's a much different ball game here and Lance is significantly, I think it's 60 plus points behind Alonso so far this season. So it's, it's a significant gap. It's also, the only thing that's stopping me from going for a one on this is that there is no other way out for Charles, in my opinion. Hamilton by all accounts, is going to sign a new deal. He said after Spain, he'll sign it tomorrow if it, if need be. He's clearly still motivated by Mercedes and wants to stay and try to get back up to the top with them. Red Bull are not going to change their lineup. And if it is, it'll be Perez on the way out and they're not going to bring in someone on Charles's level to replace him. There's no reason to have two elite drivers in the same team. Nothing good comes with that. Um, trust me. All that in mind one for me i i I don't think like that lance hasn't been great this year overall but i don't think it's bad enough where aston martin's going to start sharpening the knives in the boardroom and i think charles is going to stay at ferrari at least through the length of his contract he's still got another year and a half on that to go so i'm i i I don't see it in in either major areas i'm going to say one on this one i'm afraid daniel Where, where do you see it charlie yeah, I'd probably go one as well. I actually feel quite bad because I realised that I didn't mention Lance really in that whole, <laughs> my whole defence. You mentioned his dad a whole lot. Bro. Yeah, like nothing <laughs> was about his talent keeping him there. And that was really bad of me. But he, I don't think he is a bad driver. Like, you know, we saw in Spain. I mean, he outqualified Fernando for the first time, but <laughs> it is Fernando Alonso, so... One out of seven, Charlie. Uh, Yeah, but I think, I mean, I've been doing the, I update the um, qualifying battles article every week. And actually only the last week or so have they started, or the last two races maybe, have they started leveling out a little bit more? I mean, there was a time where George was out qualifying Lewis every week. So 
True. But yeah, but yeah, I do. I I do actually quite like Lance, and I think he is a good driver. So um, that's also my defense for keeping him at Aston Martin. But aside from that, his dad is scary, and I wouldn't like to attend a Christmas dinner after he fires his son. So. If anyone's ever seen Lawrence Stroll at these conventions, he's not exactly what you call a warm and friendly public talker. <laughs> no, no, no. And if I was the Aston Martin board, I don't think I'd want to even get on his wrong side, to be honest. <laughs> well, he's been the main man putting the money in, so... <laughs> exactly. You, you know, trust, trust the man at your peril. It, it, it'll be a brave person on that board to speak up and say, you know, maybe your son's not good enough. And then it's like that meme of the guy that gets thrown out of the uh, out of the boardroom window. Um, if you've ever seen that skyscraper meme, where it's like maybe <laughs> yeah. replace Lance Stroll, and then the next thing you know, you just get thrown out like it's like it's an executive meeting that just got revoked. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's it, it's a wild one, but yeah, I, I can't see I can't see a Leclerc to Aston Martin move. I think you've got a much better chance of Leclerc going to Aston Martin after Fernando retires. That, I think, is more likely than him straight up replacing Stroll. That's what I would say. I mean, that's if Aston Martin can continue, you know, the performance that they've put in this year. They've made a massive leap from, you know, from 2022 to 2023. But who's to say that everybody else isn't going to leap next year and they're going to stay the same you know so I think it will just you know that it's that is their first year of success so we're gonna have to just wait and see on that one I think they're gonna have a lot less wind tunnel time to play with next year yeah. the way this is going compared yeah. they, they're on that 100% baseline last year if, if they stay third they're going to be at 80% that's a lot less running running time compared to last year so they're going to be under pressure to keep up this fight with Mercedes, at least in the short term. So we're going to wait and see how that plays out. But uh, like Aston Martin's not going to have as many resources to play with going forward. And that might be the true test to see where they hold up in maybe maybe this time next year, as opposed to now. But yeah, I, I can't quite see Leclerc heading over there anytime soon. Tick number two comes from Connor Colshaw, who says, Bottas was a better wingman to Lewis than Checo will ever be to Max. Bottas was a better wingman to Lewis than Checo will ever be to Max. Now, I like this take, Connor. It's, it's, it, I think it's an interesting one. And I say that because what makes you a better wingman? Like, like is, is it a matter of you being close to Lewis as a cleanup sort of guy? Is it because you were more obedient? Because we all know that Valtteri was even, was even prepared to give up a win um in Russia when he was at the front of the field to help Lewis win the championship. So in that essence, Bottas was a fantastic wingman. He was he was prepared to step aside and even potentially give up a win in order to to help Lewis win the championship. Is that what you mean by a better wingman? Because I mean in terms of results, I think they're very similar when you when you compare Bottas to Lewis in his era as teammates as, as to what Checo is to Max right now. I mean, what do you make of the take in general, Charlie, and how how are you interpreting it? Well, Bottas does not like the term wingman. I remember Toto Wolf called him that back in, like, I don't know, 2018, 2019, and Mm. he hated it. So let's call it a helpful teammate. 
it, out of respect for Bottas. Um, you but- you sound like you work in a HR department. <laughs> it, it, it's 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 very HR-y of you, I will say. Justice for Valtteri Bottas. Um, ah. <laughs> <laughs> I I don't know. I I for me, I don't think that anybody will compare to Bottas in terms of being a helpful teammate. He was the ultimate personally um he was equally as capable of securing great results and great things but wasn't the greatest which is perfect for a teammate to you know next to lewis and for the team um i think to be the ultimate number two driver you have to be able to accept that your teammate will be safe in the knowledge that they will have a clear advantage over you um (laughs) but also be willing to step up to the challenge when you know those things arise um we saw that side of Bottas start to fade away a little bit, I think, towards his, you know, um, towards the end of his Mercedes era. But for me, he still outdoes Perez as the number two. Um, and the reason I think goes back to him being able to, you know, like to chat, like accept the challenge when it arises, because I don't think Perez can step up to the mark as much as Bottas did. Perez has finished like as part of a one-two for Red Bull four times this year already, out of the seven races we've had so far. That's fine. He's won a couple of races on merit, um, which, you know, good for him. But he's also now 53 points behind Verstappen in the championship. And that gap got blown out very quickly. Like, three rounds ago when he won in Baku, it was six. It's now 53. Like it's it it depends on what Red Bull wants Perez to be. Like, are they genuinely going to let him go after Max and try and win the title? Like, I don't think they are. I don't, I'm not convinced on that. I think it's thoroughly Max's team and has been for some time. Mm-hmm. Like Bottas, I mean, there was already a bit of a conflict of interest because was Toto was Valtteri's agent when he brought him into the Mercedes factory team in the first place. Like, I think Toto knew exactly what he was doing. Because I remember, and I remember back then when when Rosberg retired at the end of 2016 and there was talk about who could potentially go into that Mercedes seat, there was another, and his name was Pascal Verlein. And Pascal Verlein was Bookie's favourite to take that seat. And I wonder how much of the decision-making there was, hey, Bottas was more experienced, but also might be easier to manage on the way in as a wingman and in that aspect he was probably quite helpful for the way mercedes ran their team because it was toxic when it was hamilton and rosberg together they were at each other's necks yeah like people were about to explode there were lies exchanged there were crashes on and off the track it was a mess at mercedes the only reason why it wasn't more chaotic was because they were so much better than the rest of the field it didn't matter um in terms of like serious threats to the constructors it was just the internal strife between hamilton and rosberg Bottas came in he was calming he you know he wasn't going to be a long-term threat for lewis over multiple years and he probably instilled a greater sense of calm by default because Hamilton and Rosberg were at each other's necks and antagonizing the shit out of each other. Yeah. So <laughs> might have to add a bleep there in post-production. But um <laughs> but uh, overall, yeah, that's basically how they were. So I actually agree with you on this one, Connor. I think 
in the context of where Mercedes are at and what Bottas brought to the table, certainly early on, maybe not so much towards the end of his time there because his results did slip. Um, and he was inviting pressure from other teams like Red Bull when they came up through the ranks um, and was more of a threat towards the end of like, you know, 2020, 2021, when they had a stronger team, Red Bull, and a stronger car. It probably exposed Valtteri a little bit more. Um, so for me, I'm going to say four, Connor. I actually agree with you. I think in the context of what Mercedes was and what he was there for to help back Lewis up with, I think overall he was a better wingman for what Mercedes needed than what Checo has been for Red Bull. What do you reckon, Charlie? Yeah, I think I'm going to go a four as well. The only bit that I don't really like that kind of makes me query the hot take is where it says then Checo will ever be to Max because we don't know that yet. You know, like he's still got time to to prove <laughs> To prove his worth to his liege, no. <laughs> the, the, the fact you giggled halfway through that sentence says to me, not even you're taking that seriously. No, but, you know, we have seen moments where Checo has helped out um, Max. I mean, we saw it in Abu Dhabi. So there are, you know, he was very good. At, he's always been very good throughout, the. I'd say, throughout 2021 at trying, when he was up there, at trying to defend off um Lewis so I think sure. there is there is um potential for him to be a good wingman but I don't know that the, we've also seen a few dramas already and that kind of conflicts with the being the good year. yeah being the good number two whereas like you said Bottas was just calm he just got on with it he was just and he might have been frustrated but he kept it in so you know yeah, I think a four as well for me. I know Bottas hated the term wingman, but at the same time, that's kind of what he was, and he was more prepared to play that game. I think Checo yeah. has gone to Red Bull thinking he can win a championship. Uh, I remember Brazil at the end of last year, and he said, Max has got two titles because of me. That doesn't sound like someone that wants to be a wingman in that setup. Yeah. That sounds like someone who wants to win a championship. Unfortunately, I'm just not convinced that Perez is good enough to play that game, unfortunately. And that's, he needs to prove it more than anything else. Like, it's fine and dandy winning two or three rounds a year and having your little moments in the sun whenever a street circuit rolls around. <laughs> but as a serious contender, prove it. I mean, I mean, at the moment, he's not even got the chance to be a good wingman because Max is so far ahead of the rest of the field. He doesn't need one. So Shaka is just out doing his own thing at the moment. I mentioned it in an article that by the time this goes out, might be up on WTFM's website by now. Max Verstappen has led the last 155 consecutive laps in F1. Going back towards the end of Miami, that's how dominant Max is at the moment for a, a, a bit of perspective on the, on the situation. Uh, take number three comes from Eric on Twitter. And Eric says, Max will not go for eight championships. He will get bored or frustrated with F1's politics and entertainment. Max will not go for eight championships. He will get bored and or frustrated with F1's politics and entertainment. I remember, like, Hannah sent in this, like, Hannah had to deal with a similar take when she was on the show a couple of weeks back about Max and the potential of an early retirement, you know, the intrigue and other series. Now, you've written about 
the possibility of him maybe trying the Indy 500 at one point or another. I know he watches it, but I know he's not the most keen guy to actually drive in it. Um, you've seen a little bit more of these between the line sorts of moments as the website editor. So how do you feel about it? Ah, it's basically confirmed by Max. He said he doesn't want to go chasing championships. So that's the end of that take. <laughs> You're right. Congratulations. Um, yeah, I definitely think he'll go to at least four, maybe five, if the Red Bull carries on the way it is currently. But he has other things he wants to do in life. He 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 reminds me, and not in the um not in the wild side, I guess, of James Hunt, but that kind of mentality of like one's enough. Got, yeah. Yeah. Like I've got my I've got my championship. I don't really I'm just here. Like kind of thing. A bit like Kimmy as well. Kimmy kind of towards the end of his career, he always used to say he was just driving for a hobby. And I feel like that's where Max will get, or he'll quit before it becomes before it becomes a chore rather than something that he enjoys. He wants to do the 24-hour Le Mans. He probably just wants to settle down a bit. You know, he's got Kelly and her little one. He probably, be, yeah. yeah, he probably wants kids of his own, maybe. I don't know. The championships have never been a goal, I don't think, for Max, like to have an extent of them. Um, I think he'll just drive for as long as he's happy. And to be honest, I think that's the better way of thinking. I don't know. I, I like racing drivers say this a lot. I, 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 for those people who don't know me all that well, I was a few Sebastian Vettel family. He was in Formula One actively, and I remember at the peak of his dominance when he was at Red Bull and winning championships. I said this before, I think, on the show that he said he wanted to retire at twenty nine thirty and go off and do other things, um, maybe start a young family because I know he, I know his his wife was was a childhood sweetheart essentially. <laughs> Um, and he ended up retiring at 35, like four, <laughs> like four or five years later than what he initially said. Perspectives change, and like it's if you're talking about Max winning eight championships, that means you're guaranteeing him he's going to be here for at least five more years. He's 25 now, that takes him up to age 30. He's 30. He'll be 31 by the end of that season because his birthday's in September. Uh, the, the things you Google when you're writing articles. Uh, but uh, it, I, I'm not convinced. People always say this early in their careers. They're like, yeah, I can retire early and, and, and go off and do other things or drive another series. The only two guys that I've really seen do that like because they can in recent years has been Nico Rosberg, who retired at 31, and Rosberg, well, I, again, I, I would love Nico Rosberg to write a book about this one day because I'm fascinated about how that title fight went down with Hamilton in 2016. Mm. But by all accounts, it seemed like he put everything mentally in towards that 2016 season. It yeah. was either it was either win the championship or retire trying. And that's kind of what it felt like with Rosberg. And the other one was Fernando. And Fernando, I wonder how much of that was him genuinely going after the Triple Crown and how much of it was McLaren PR talk, given that how much they've expanded into other series in recent years, like IndyCar, like Formula E, like Extreme E, et cetera. Um, did, did Fernando really want to go after the Triple Crown because he wanted to, or was it because he knew he had no chance of winning world title number three? Because that's another thing that Fernando's always glossed about. He wants that that status that comes with being a triple world champ. I think people start taking you a bit more seriously once you've got three world titles as opposed to two. 
I think drivers say this sort of thing a lot in the heat of the moment when they're younger. And I think the goalposts change as they get older. That's my personal perspective. And this is a very subjective take. All you can do is read the tea leaves and see where you're at. Um, Personally, I know he's fed up with the sprint race format. I know he hates that, but I don't think that's a big enough reason to go. I'm going to retire early. Um, I I, I just don't buy that personally. Um, Again, we'll have to wait and see how how his career progresses. He's got a very good chance of winning title number three this year. If you go up to the next set of regulations, he's got a very good chance of five. Five world titles, and if he keeps up at this pace, maybe 60 or 70 wins. That's all-time level great conversations you can start to have. Because... Um, Career-wise, numbers-wise, you're 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 at the same title level as Fangio. You're you're third on the wins list, behind only the big two, Hamilton and Schumacher. So we'd have to start having those sorts of conversations. Would that be enough for Max? I don't buy it. I think I think racing drivers are record chasers, and I think the people that say they aren't are liars. <laughs> that and that's just me being cynical. So I'm gonna say two on this one i'm not gonna go one because i think it's a very subjective take and i'm not a mind reader maybe max is being sincere when he talks about sim racing and taking part at le mans and retiring early uh, you know with no more left to achieve if he's not this big record chasing sort of person i just don't buy it personally so i'm gonna say two on this charlie how do you feel about it rating wise i'm gonna go a four okay I, I don't know. I Max, I feel like is quite a blunt person. And yeah. I don't I don't think he'd say stuff if he didn't mean it. So um that's how I see him. So I, I yeah, I just I I just think he is gonna be done. And I, I think you forget how long he's been in this sport as well. He was That's a good point. Yeah. So um I mean by the time he's by the time he's thirty one, he'll have been there for like what 14, 14 years? I don't know. Yeah, I'm not I think, very good at maths. I think it's 13 or 14 because, yeah, yeah I, I, think, I think this is year eight for Max yeah. right now. It's And we're still talking about a 25-year-old. It's, yeah. it's it, You make a very good point there. You forget sometimes the debut at 17. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, I'm going to go four. i got to trust what Max says. It, to be fair, it is a very Dutch thing. They are very blunt. They are very honest yeah. about how they get down with the media in general. They're, they're they're very to the point, and you know, you make it. You make a valid point on that one. You forget he has already been here from the time he was a teenager. Literally, he 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 is the last of his kind. I.e., drivers that can debut before age 18 because they changed the super license because of him um he was such an outlier in that sense so yeah i mean that's a very good point maybe by the time you get to the next set of regs 2025 that's already a decade you yeah. know that that's it adds up the numbers do add up and it's a long time to be out there doing that from the time you're <laughs> literally still a kid i mean in this country, you can seventeen's the first year you can marry <laughs> without consent. So yeah, it's it's it, things develop quickly, and yeah, I think the goalposts can move. It's it's a fascinating take, and going to be I'm going to be very intrigued to see if Max really isn't a record chaser or not. I mean, I think once you get to that sort of level, you kind of want to keep winning as long as you can. But hey, not everybody gets down that way. Like I said, Nico <laughs> Rosberg was the ultimate outlier for that very reason. That's what made him so fascinating. Um, so, yeah, who knows? That's that's part of the fun, I suppose. 
Riz on Twitter with take number four says, Carlos is actually doing a good job for Ferrari and he doesn't deserve the hate he is receiving from some Tifosis. Interesting. Carlos is actually doing a good job for Ferrari and he doesn't deserve the hate he's receiving from some of the Tifosi. Charlie, are you a Carlos Sainz sympathizer here? <laughs> I'm a huge Carlos Sainz fan. <laughs> I, I really, I love him. So firstly, actually, I'm going to bring this to everybody's attention. No driver deserves hate at all, no matter if you like them or not. Secondly, I think Carlos has been doing a great job at Ferrari personally. If anything, especially this season, I might get I might get a little bit of hate for this, but I think he's been the most consistent driver at Ferrari. I mean, <laughs> when it rains, it really does pour for Charles and he has been unlucky in some instances, but he's also made his own mistakes and I don't know. I I, I I genuinely, this is a really easy one for me because I just don't think, I was actually, when I read this take, I was a bit like, he gets hate. Like, uh, it was mind blown because yeah. I, I don't see how. I think he's a brilliant, if we're going to, you know, go to the number one, number two, although Ferrari don't have number one or number twos, apparently. But, yeah, sure they don't. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think Carlos is a great teammate to Charles. And it, again, he's kind of like that, he's kind of like, what Valtteri Bottas was to Lewis almost. He can put his car in the right places and he can get the results if he needs to. Um, yeah. I, I mean, not to mention that car is awful. That has no relevance, but I'm just, I just felt like I needed to put it out. There. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just to remind the listening public. Yeah. yeah Ferrari stinks. Just, just get, just get that one out of the way. Yeah. Sure. But um, yeah, I really like Carlos as a McLaren fan. I feel like that's almost a given. We had good times, but, um, yeah, I think he's a good fit at Ferrari. So, yay for Ch for Carlos. <laughs> Are you going to just disagree with me now? Maybe. Um, you wrote this take, didn't you? You're the hater. I, I, I don't, oh, no, wait, like, no, wait, because this take's positive. <laughs> you didn't like, write this take. No, like, okay, first of all, I wouldn't use a burner account for that. I would just come out of it on May. <laughs> like, this, like if anyone knows me well, they, like, they know that I am not afraid of of, oh, of a hot take or, uh, publicly on, on the old social medias. <laughs> um, how, I do, how do I feel about this? I, Carlos Sainz is not the problem at Ferrari. Like, I'll say that much. Do I think he's better than Charles Leclerc? No. Do I think they need to talk about moving him on? Also, no. Do I think the drivers are anyway the problem at, at Ferrari? No. That like their team has fundamental problems. Their car has had fundamental problems for quite some time. It is a butcher of its tires. It's had poor balance. They've not won a race since they changed the technical directive on Porpoise in, in the middle of last year. And that was when Matteo Bonotto, their team boss, said, we don't see any reason why we can't win all of the last 10 races. They've not won a race since then. Mercedes has won a race since then. Ferrari hasn't. And right now, and this is, I don't think this is all on Fred Vassar. I think he's inherited a bad car and a bad regime from Matteo Bonotto when he walked away from Ferrari at the end of last season. They're the fourth best team in F1 right now. I, I don't know how you can look at the situation and look at Carlos, who I think has performed adequately. I mean, if they're the fourth, if they're the fourth best team in F1 right now, Carlos Sainz's results this year has been fourth, sixth, 12th, 
fifth, fifth, eighth, fifth. That's fine. That that's mm-hmm. about on that's about on par. Leclerc had the one podium finish in in, in Baku, and you know we all know Leclerc is excellent around Baku. And yes, Leclerc still probably has the higher ceiling compared to Signs, but I think Signs as a floor guy is fine. I'm, I've not looked at any situation with Carlos Sainz Jr. at Ferrari and gone, oh, they, they need they need a better second driver in that in that seat. No. Nah, I think I think Sainz is fine. I, I I wouldn't I wouldn't be out here screaming for for Ferrari to replace him. He's had, like I think, I think he had one really bad weekend, and and I think that was Baku, where he was completely outclassed by the clerk. Besides that, I think he's been largely fine. Um and. Yeah, for me, I think I, I I think you need a floor guy in a, in an F one team. You need a guy that can bring your car home every week and bring it home in a decent position. And you're right. I think Charles has been a bit more erratic this year in terms of results. Not all on him. Um, no. Like I said, Australia was like Bahrain was not his fault. That was obviously a, a technical failure, and that's had a knock-on effect of places like Saudi Arabia because he was carrying a penalty due to Ferrari's own ineptitude. <laughs> so, you know, it, it, you can't put that one on Charles. Australia, I think that was a racing incident. I think it was a bit unlucky, Charles, but that's that's racing sometimes for you. <sighs> uh, Monaco, there's not much you can do around there, and... The club was probably hung out to dry because his team didn't tell him Norris was coming down the tunnel. Um, like again, I'm, I'm pointing out the issues here. They're not necessarily driver related. They're, the fact the majority of them are not driver related. They are team issues. Um, and Fred Vassar is trying to, you know, I think pick away a lot of the Binotto era, which was a failure. No, no matter which way you slice it, they failed. They didn't win a championship. Um, that's what they were there to do. And if anything, Bonotto made the team worse over his time as team principal because he already inherited a good Ferrari team when he took over. Um, so now I, I, I don't think science is the issue. And uh, science is still 16 points ahead of Leclerc in the championship right now. Mm-hmm. Like, again, science is not the problem. <laughs> Like, and I don't think Leclerc is either. I think there is a lot of organizational issues that Ferrari need to iron out as a team and manufacturer. So before we can start talking about, hey, maybe there's a driver quality problem. But I think that goes for two or three teams in the bag. I think that goes for McLaren. I think that goes for Haas. I, I don't think there are inherent driver issues in their teams. I think their issues are organizationally speaking. So I'm I'm gonna say. I'm going to say five. I, I completely agree with this take. I think I think science is doing a fine job, and I don't think there's any reason to to dunk on the man for what's happened at Ferrari this season. There are much much bigger problems with the with with, with Marinello than than Carlos Sainz Junior. Charlie, how, how do you how do you feel ratings wise? Yeah, I agree. I think it's a hard five. I just. I, I mean, I think I think Charles and Carlos are one of the best driver lineups on that grid. If they had a car that was actually working and could do what it was supposed to do, I think I think they would actually be a very, very, very good team. But we won't get to see that until Ferrari sort their beep out. Yeah, there and there, and there is a lot of bleep. Let there me, is a uh, lot of bleep. Let me make one thing absolutely clear regarding Ferrari. That's uh, because no one is here for Ferrari finishing fourth. No one in that organization is there for them finishing fourth. 
We all we expect them to win. We expect them to succeed. They are an established top tier team. Over a thousand people work for them. They have as many resources as anyone in Formula One. Fourth and getting beaten by a small time Silverstone factory by comparison is not good enough for Ferrari. And heads will roll if that continues, no matter which way you slice it. And I think I like Fred Vassar. I, I want him to do well at Ferrari. I think he did a very good job at Alfa Romeo and, and, and Salvo when he was down there. I think he's the right man for the job. He just needs time. Um, but hey, there, there's a video coming out that I wrote that that talks about this in much more detail. Do check that out on the WTF1 YouTube channel soon. But uh, final take of the episode comes from Chris Bolden on Twitter. See if you can guess who he might be a fan of. Chris Bolden says, Max is the greatest F1 driver of all time, in the best car of all time. Those that disagree are incorrectly attaching their nostalgic view of history as a requirement of GOAT status. We are witnessing history unfold before us that will be talked about for decades. Please don't read that one again. <laughs> I think they're a Hamilton fan. What do you reckon? Um, any any allegiance there to, to, to speak of? No? <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll spare you the trouble of reading that one out again, but uh, you get the gist. Matt is greatest <laughs> ever. And if, you're, and if you don't agree, you're just looking at the past with rose-tinted glasses. Do I, 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 I do I want to break out a zero here? Um, <laughs> maybe a minus four. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure how I feel about this one. He might be, and I'm being generous when I say this. I'm I'm, I'm thinking long into the future here because he needs to build up a much greater body of work before we start talking about Max as the greatest ever. Like, don't get me wrong. He's had a he, he's on track right now to have a pair of all-time great seasons. Last year, he was incredible. 15 wins in a year is ridiculous by any measure, by any yardstick. If he could put together three or four more of them, sure, I'll entertain the conversation, but not yet. I'll say this, the car he's in right now might be. The Red Bull RB19 is a monster. Without question, the perfect season is very much on, is what I would say. Because I think I think the the way he dominated Spain, I, I don't think he was anywhere near a hundred percent of his full ability around the Spanish Grand Prix when Verstappen had that Grand Slam. Yeah, different gravy. I'm not I'm not disputing that, but not yet. We need. I reckon another half decade of this before we really start talking about Max as one of the greatest ever. Chris, I'll give you this. If he retires tomorrow, he's probably in the top 15. That's me being very courteous of you. <laughs> Two world titles, 40 wins. It's a better career than Fernando Alonso's had. It's like, numbers-wise, it's in that sort of Ayrton Senna, Nicky Lauda sort of range, and you're talking maybe a fringe top 10. And that's already like, an incredible career, considering that Max is still only 25 years of age and there's almost no doubt he'll grow and add to that legacy. Not yet. Pump your brakes just a little bit. <laughs> Come back to me in four or five years' time. Charlie, what do you what do you reckon? Like, you, you were seething back there on the other side of this call, so I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to assume that uh, I think this is a bit premature. Yeah, I, I mean... I don't know. I I don't really believe in the goat 
debate. There are way too many loopholes for me to have just one single greatest of all time. Okay. It's too it's too subjective. You can't compare one era of F1 to another. Too much has changed across the years and there is no definitive answer on what would people define as the GOAT. You could say, oh, the GOAT is somebody who has won seven titles. Well, then in that case, it's only Lewis and Michael that are the goats you know yeah, like there's you, no yeah you, you could say fangio who raced in the 50s an era where one crash might as well be your last and he won almost half the grand prix he ever entered he won 24 I think it was 24 yeah. out of 49 or something crazy like that so you know, does that make you the greatest like yeah. you know, fangio couldn't couldn't race in the 2020s like there's very there's many many different ways of skinning that cap yeah i mean again i mean he says in the in the best car of all time I feel the same way. It's subjective. But two years into its era, that is in the Red Bull, sure. can't be the best of all time. Technology is advancing all of the time, as are the teams. It will certainly be remembered as one of the most dominant cars, but Absolutely. I wouldn't go as far to say the best ever. Not like not yet, you know? Like I think it's still got time to show that it could be that. Um, I do I do like the bit about, you know, witnessing history unfold because actually I hadn't really thought about this until we had Michael Italiano on the show. And yeah. I think, and, and he just kind of changed my perspective a little bit. And I think everyone views this dominance as boring and ruining F1. And, and don't get me wrong, there are days where I'm like, <laughs> again, like what have I yeah. got right about? We're sports but, fans, it's what we do. Yeah, but I think you forget the actual history side of it and how that, how Red Bull could go on to break records. And I do find that really exciting. So no, I don't think Max is the GOAT. And no, I don't think the car is the best of all time yet. But again, I don't know. It's just, it's such a, it's such an out there blase question. I can, I, like I'm a Lando Norris fan. Am I going to go out and say, oh yeah, Lando's the greatest of all time because he's had a podium at Imola. Like, you know, like <laughs> he's had two. Like it, that could be two. I don't even know. See, like this could be like, it, you could put anything. Like the yardstick could just be so, so random. So I just, I don't think it's a thing really. I think it's a thing that people make up to try it, and prove that their driver is like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's an incredibly subjective debate. And look, I find these sorts of conversations fascinating. I love talking about greatest of all time debates because there are so many different ways of looking at it. They're like how people evaluate talent and, and greatness. I, I I love that sort of back and forth. I, I, I've been doing it for years on a whole range of platforms. I find it fascinating. I love seeing how people tick. And like you said, Michael Italiano was a perfect example of that when he was on the show. Like it would be very easy for us to say, well, dominance is bad because people get bored of that in sports all the time. Like, Man City have won five out of the last six Premier League titles. And a lot of people are going to find that to be terrible. Some people will find it fascinating to analyze and 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 look at that and say, well, this is the greatest dynasty of in, in sports. Like perspective is a is nine tenths of the law when it comes to things like this. Yeah. And Formula One is a very territorial fan base. We are, we love to defend and and back and our favourites. It's a huge part of what makes F one Twitter what it is, and like when it comes to that, 
Hamilton versus Verstappen has been a dominant part of internet dialogue regarding Formula One for three plus years now. So I can't say I'm surprised people feel so strongly about it. My my stance on it remains the same. I think Max is a borderline top 10 driver of all time right now. If he retired today, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, with two world titles on the way to a third, 40 career wins is a huge number. Only six men in history have, have, have 40 wins. That's an incredible amount. It's one less than Ayrton Senna. Senna had 41. Like, that is a crazy achievement to have before you've even turned 26. Like, if he retired tomorrow, he's a freak talent that could have gone on to do so much more. That would probably only enhance his argument, I would say. But he's not a Hamilton. He's not a Schumacher. He's not a Fangio. He's not a Prost or a Senna yet. Give it another three or four years. If he dominates the rest of this era, like I mentioned earlier in the show, five titles, 70 wins. Yeah, he's in the conversation. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And I'd and happily entertain that. For me, right now, this take is about three years too early, is what I would say. Maybe a little bit more than that. So I'm going to say two. And I think this is a generous two on my part, because one, we could look back in this tweet in 10 years time and say, <laughs> hey, my man called it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it was it was a bold one, but he was right in the end. And fair play to you, Chris, if that ends up happening. And I, I will I will I will write you a handwritten letter if that, if that comes around. But it's 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 too early for me. Like, the car is incredible. Like, the car argument is absolutely one I'll entertain right now because the RB19 is incredible. It's an incredible car. Relative to the field, it's destroying people. Um, Max, greatest of all time? Too soon. Two, two out of five for me on that one. Charlie, what do you reckon? I'm going to go a one. Wow, even stronger. Well, because it says, I mean, yeah, it says that he's the greatest of all time. Right, so I would read that as right now and... I just don't entertain it, unfortunately. <laughs> We're going to make you entertain this one day. One of these days on a podcast, I'm going to get you back in 2030 and say, was Chris Bolden right all along? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, he could, he might be, you know, but yeah. yeah, I just, I just, I don't, I don't see it like right this second. I, uh, I mean, I, Max uh, is, no matter what happens, Max is going to be talked about as a driver, as a Formula absolutely. 1 driver. Like, he will go down in history, but I just, I don't know. I just don't like the the, the GOAT thing. I love the GOAT thing, and even I think <laughs> it's a bit too soon. But shoot your shot, Chris. I, I, am, I am all for that. Shoot your shot. Um, we'll come back to that maybe one day down the road. Hey, you can tweet me at Dre underscore WTF1 in 2030 and say, you know what, Dre, I was right all along and I will happily <laughs> concede. <laughs> but uh, send in your takes as ever. Look out for the tweet on Monday on our Twitter account, WTF1 official. Follow us on there. Keep an eye out for it and then you can respond. And maybe you can get your hot takes on the next edition of Hot Takes Wednesday. We'll be back next week for another edition. Until then, I've been Dre Harrison. Jeez, been Charlie Williams. Until then, thank you very much for listening. Take care. Bye.